0: And welcome back. This is Bob Brown filling in for Tom Brown. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. As we transition into the next part of our program, we're delighted to have with us Cliff Danley, who is the driver of not the Hope Wagon, but the Hope Coach, I'm corrected. (laughs) Cliff, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, uh, Bob. Thanks for having me.
0: And um, as we were talking offline, it turns out there's a connection between Teen Challenge and Cliff in your life.
1: Well, I mean, no surprise when then you think, consider the things that are united in Christ and uh six degrees of whatever right and mm-hmm. so uh Mr. Uh, Reverend Snow and I have a mutual person in common that's a pretty neat guy
0: and he's so. apparently worked in both programs and helps helps uh create a bridge
1: yeah, and if he ever knew or one day he'll find out just what kind of impact he's had on the lives of many. Mm-hmm.
0: So. so Phoenix Rescue Mission, tell us a little bit about that. What is Phoenix Rescue Mission? How does it operate what does it do?
1: Well, so Phoenix Rescue Mission uh, has been around 60 years. It started with a few businessmen in downtown. And so we're basically shelter services for men. We, we also have drug and alcohol recovery programs for men and drug and alcohol recovery programs for women and women with children. Uh, so it also includes a few other ministries, uh, a food distribution ministry, which is called our uh, farmer's market, so to speak, which goes on on Tuesdays. And then the bigger ones is the street outreach, which is called Hope Coach. So that's essentially just what it is. We load the van full of uh, uh, lunches, cold water, hygiene, Bibles, uh, this time of year, um, uh, weather relief supplies. And we just go on the streets with teams and we just talk to people right where they're at.
0: Wow! So, tell me about the Hope Coach. I'm intrigued.
1: Well, I mean, it's been going on longer than I've been there, so it's pretty amazing. But the exciting thing, and of course, we're in We have entered in as of May first our Code Red. This is our third year doing this. It's a heat relief campaign, and uh, and we just received our second van. So now, as of uh, this last month, we're sending out you know dual teams to different parts of the valley. So, essentially, it used to be just the three chaplains uh, that, that used to run it, but they pretty much put it onto me. And we load the vans up full of uh, a team lead and some volunteers. Sometimes the guys in the program, they're eager to go as well. That's real healthy for their program. And we just uh, go on the streets and, like, again, try to talk to people about choices and their options.
0: Wow. So, in a typical day, how many and what kind of things would you hand out?
1: Well, it's so what we typically ask for, and maybe we'll talk about this later, is we have a lot of volunteers, church groups or just other groups, you know, even corporate groups, put together 150 sack lunches and cases of cold water and Gatorade, and we take our teams and we go out. And the idea, again, for us, we're about transformation and not so much transaction about feeding people. That's, I mean, if they want to come to our, our shelter in our dining hall, it's amazing food there. But the idea behind the lunches and the outreach items is those are a vehicle or a Uh, a tool to have a conversation about people and get their story and then hopefully lead them back to the mission for our services which we again we want to emphasize life transformation transformational services interesting
0: and how long has the Hope coach been in a part of the program oh at
1: least 10 years that i know of yeah so it's gone through a few hands like i say there were three chaplains that we all used to share it but now it's my baby here for a while and i and i'm thrilled that it's getting diversified and we're getting all kinds of uh, what we call high-impact partners to drive when I can't drive because I can't be everywhere at once and it's exciting to see it grow.
0: Sure. So I heard a reference to Code Red. Yeah. What's that?
1: Well, you know, we uh, every year, right, what's consistent with Arizona? Mm-hmm. Those scorching temperatures and the other thing we also know about our homeless population is many are uh, suffer from chemical addictions and alcoholism and uh it's, it's not a surprise that there are death rates relating to the dehydration from alcoholism and drug addiction in the summer. So uh, I don't have the numbers with me, but I know that there has been a decline in the last three years. Not that we're directly responsible, but I'd like to think we had an impact that we go out and we talk to the people. And if nothing else, I give them more water than they can carry and we find them because – you know, the reality is if you've been using or drinking in the day, even if you lay down at night and you sleep, you're dehydrated. Hmm. So that is a surefire recipe for a fatality. So, and again, but there's, there's more to it. Um, it's about uh, collecting donations for the hygiene and, and other heat relief supplies, white clothing, socks, uh, you know, gently used shoes and anything else that they need that would help them get by.
0: So if a person wants to contribute water, is that something that can be well, helpful? thank you.
1: And yes. how could I miss that? If the code red really is essentially it's a water drive. So we have organizations all across the valley, like I say, whether it be churches or corporate organizations. But when we do water drives, that's the big deal. So, And you can go onto the website at phoenixrescuemission.org and, again, uh, look up all the volunteer uh, opportunities but the water drive from may 1st through august that's the that's the thrust behind code red it is about the water
0: and that was phoenixrescuemission.org and if i'm a member of a congregation and i'm thinking gee how could our congregation help how might that work?
1: Well, I mean, it's just, to me, it's as simple as whatever the number of that congregation is. If everybody brought one case of water and stacked it in the back or in the lobby or maybe in a, a storeroom somewhere, we'd send a guy out after that drive was concluded, and we'd pick that water up. We'd be grateful, and we'd have a, another partner, in, in my mind, where we're actually taking it that relief directly right out on the streets.
0: So we don't have to have a truck. All we have to do is have our church members That's right. bring the water to a central collection point at the church. Right. And you guys will come and pick it up?
1: We'll come and pick it up.
0: Distribute it. Outstanding. Any idea how many bottles or gallons or however you might measure it you guys handed out with this program last year?
1: Yeah. In fact, I have the numbers right here. Uh, To be exact, it looks like it's uh, 425,401 bottles of water distributed last year. That's great. So, uh, and with our uh, meals provided, too, 374,000, that's, of course, in our dining room, 752 meals. So that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, 365, for anybody that wants to just walk in. And again, the food's amazing. Wow, that's a lot of lives touched,
0: 374,000 meals. Yeah. Incredible.
1: Yeah, because it's pretty much about 200 uh, individuals a meal. So if you do that breakfast, lunch, and dinner and extrapolate that out, you
0: so 600 meals a day. Yeah. Lives touched, lives touch. How many beds do you have for the program that helps get folks off the street?
1: Well, that's what's exciting for us because, uh, and I don't know if it's coincidental. I mean, God doesn't really chooses to remain anonymous, as that old cliche goes. But, you know, CAS is closing down their uh, overflow shelter for many of the listeners who know who they are. That's the Central Arizona Shelter Services. That's the county-run um, shelter. They're closing down a big part of that. It's called their overflow And just recently, we've received a little bit of, um, you know, financial support or blessing or however you want to call it to expand. So we're literally renovating our shelter right now, which, and again, not counting our men in our program, because they come in and they stay and receive the the simpler services before they move on to, say, recovery program or discipleship. But that one dorm was 88 beds, and that's easily going to get doubled along with the Career and Education Center and some of the other services we provide, not just the men in program, but our our shelter clients.
0: So how many beds do you have on a night for those just coming off the street?
1: Well, I mean, there's 88 beds now. I mean, we're we're in a bit of a flux because now our chapel is our dorm room, and our chapel is now outside, and so everything is shifted currently. But, uh, yeah, so 88 is the number, but, again, that's easily going to double by the end of July.
0: And I thought I read somewhere in the literature 250 beds. Would that mean? Would that...
1: Well, that's. I think that that's probably where we're projected to be. I see. So, yeah. Because I also didn't account for program, but I'm just speaking specifically to the shelter beds.
0: So a person comes in off the street, you have a program that would be the sort of equivalent... Uh, for dealing with homelessness that would be equivalent to trying to get someone off alcohol or drugs?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, I think the numbers show it out, and even Reverend Snow would say that that the addictions are a big part of that. So I think the numbers are about 80% of the people dealing with uh, homelessness are also wrestling with an addiction problem. So coming into the mission, it's as simple as getting a bed in our shelter and then obviously availing them to the uh, services available, The program's available. I mean, some of them it's just a reset and they need to just get stabilized. Maybe it's a short-term job, you know, uh, situation. But when you really get a chance to talk to them and get their story, you'll find out that there's some behaviors there that are preventing them from leading an abundant life. And then the next conversation there with our chaplain who is at the front end of our program is called Foundations, which is essentially a 60-day period where you're blackout. You know, you just don't talk to anybody on the outside and you just really focus on – sort of again just getting away from all the distractions and then that leads into the next levels of the program which could go all the way into an area where that they take on temporary employment with us to rebuild their work history.
0: I'm sorry, say that again, a three builder work history?
1: To to rebuild their oh, work history. Rebuild. So if they're, you know, going into what they call job attainment programs and for many of them it's like the best thing to in, in trying to get a job is to tell somebody you have one currently. Mm-hmm. So, uh
0: and is there skills training involved? In yeah, we've
1: got a career and vocational system, and again, that's all being renovated as well. Vocational development, so there's a lot of uh, resume, skill training, and building uh, interview uh, techniques being taught, and just a lot of um, you know software programs to get the mind and the ability to think again. I mean, the, the brain is like a muscle. And it gets flabby like everything else. So there's a lot of neat programs in there. It's part of the program, if you're going to complete the program, that you go through the career and education. We usually just call it the Learning Center, but it's, you know, been upgraded on its titles a little bit lately.
0: So so phase one is just find a bed, get off the street.
1: And foundations if you're into the program.
0: And the foundations was 60 days? Yep. And then what's the next and that's
1: program? that's called Intensive Residential Discipleship. So we give it that acronym IRD. And that's where you dig down and find the root. What's the reason? Why are we using? We call it Sometimes we call it, refer to it as the road to the wound because in recovery terminology, uh, it's about any, uh, the law of pain says anybody in pain will do whatever they can do, whatever, they, what is necessary to get out of pain. And we find out, you know, where the pain is, what the issues are. Best we can drill down deep on that. And that's the hard work of recovery. We still call it discipleship, and recovery to me is just another word for sanctification, growing and not doing the things we used to do yesterday that were harmful. And And that phase, excuse me, Bob, is about six to eight months or so.
0: And that is faith-based?
1: Absolutely. It's all
0: Christ-centered. And what does that mean when you say it's Christ-centered, it's faith-based? Are you praying as part of the program? Are you studying oh, the yeah, Bible. Yeah, our,
1: our curriculum is di- design and spirit led. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they use there called the Genesis process, uh, and again, all the you know ancillary teaching uh, curriculum and the, just anything that has to do with victorious living. Uh, you know, Ed- Edwin Lewis Cole material. We just we just use a lot of it.
0: Wow. Well, we'll have more um, with uh, Cliff uh, from the. Hope Coach uh, at the Phoenix Rescue Mission. Right now, we'll take a commercial break, let you know you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. This is Bob Brown filling in for Tom Brown.